I'm Jimmy Johnson, and welcome to the Stay in the Course podcast. I'm an award-winning journalist, motivational speaker, spiritual leader, blogger, and now a podcaster. In this podcast, my hope is to introduce you to some of the most influential thought leaders around the globe, all here to inspire, uplift, and motivate you to fulfill your purpose and make a difference on this earth. Your call to stay the course. On this episode of the Stay in the Course podcast, we're chatting with realtor, entrepreneur, educator, philanthropist, and founder of Suits for Seniors, a nonprofit suiting up seniors for success all across Florida. Our guest is also the author of a children's book titled Adventures of the Rich and Famous, and most recently, a speaker at the Steve Harvey Mentoring Camp in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a native to South Florida, y'all, and an alum of Florida Atlantic University. Let's welcome Gervonta Edmonds to the Stay in the Course podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's truly an honor to be here. Um, it's an honor to speak with you. I have a, a history with you, and it's amazing to be at this point and see your growth and see our, our growth together. And man, speaking of growth, uh, you're someone uh, I've known for a while, you know, yeah. back to my years as a news reporter here yes. in South Florida, uh, done a couple of stories about the Suits for Seniors uh, program. And it's just great to have you on here. Mm -hmm. I obviously covered stories as the reporter, but mm -hmm. now having my podcast and this being my own platform and, and able to dig deeper into what your program actually does is just something that I'm ecstatic about. Um, let's just jump right into it. Let's mm -hmm. talk about one, Gervonta Edmonds. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously many people know you for the Suits for Seniors program, right. you know, putting that suit on a senior's back. But what should people know about you? Um, I, I have a huge vision of trying to change the world. And if I'm only able to change my county or my city, I'll be grateful for it. But I have plans to really change the world through economics, education, whether it's first impressions. Um, I want to make a difference in so many different aspects of the community. That's incredible, man. I love that. What was your upbringing like? Um, we were talking about you being a native. Um, where did you grow up and what was it like? So I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida. That's near Tampa. But I was raised in Titusville, Florida. And in both cities, it's uh it's poverty there. And in both cities, I never was exposed to what the potential of a black male can do. You know, most black men, they either worked at Parks and Rec, uh, they were a pastor, or they were just kind of somewhat on the street. So I never was really exposed to like these successful black lawyers or black judges, black politicians. And I just felt from a young age that they had to be more than what my environment showed me. Cause I grew up in a very country town. It wasn't just maybe poverty or just low income people. There was also no access to anything of substance or any economic opportunity. We had one mall. That one mall had JC's Penny in it, um, Belks and a movie theater. And it showed about three movies. Wow. So having an opportunity to be successful where I'm from is pretty much impossible. We call it the trap. Um, because if you live there, you're guaranteed to be trapped there and you're fall into the same pit that mostly everybody else fell into. So I was, um, honestly, I was a statistic growing up. I was going to be just like everybody else. I wanted to play sports. I wanted to live the lifestyle that was not the best for me, just like everybody else. Being that we're speaking now, clearly you got mm -hmm. out of the trap, as you call yeah. it. Did you play sports? Was that like your ticket out? That was my ticket out. I, I knew I was going to be um, an M M NBA I knew I was guaranteed that I was going to either play football, soccer, or basketball, um, or track. 
and it didn't pan out the way I thought it would, uh, but it allowed me to go to college. It also taught me that I could be an accountant. That didn't work out as well, but it showed me that I was going to be more than just an entertainer or an athlete. Yeah, and so you said you went to college to play sports, and, and is that how you... No, I, I wanted to go to college to play sports, and that plan failed. So that led me to say, okay, I have to be academically inclined. And when I graduated high school, I had to have like maybe a 3.1, 3.2. It wasn't too high. I applied for almost every university in the state of Florida, and everybody declined me. But with FAMU, a 3.1 GPA? With a 3.1 GPA. Wow. I, I don't know what it was. Um, My scores were pretty good, ACT, SAT, but it gave me two options, FAMU and FAU. Everybody I knew from my hometown went to FAMU. So I didn't want to be around everybody that was uh, from my hometown, first and foremost. And then nobody I knew went to FAU. But I did research on FAU, and it was in Boca Raton. And I'm like, Boca Raton's one of the wealthiest cities in America? I'm going there because that is going to give me the opportunity to become wealthy, too. I can't go to Tallahassee because I don't believe the wealth is there like it is in Boca Raton. And coming there, it showed me that I was poor. I thought I was maybe... Middle income, right? Um, but going to Boca Raton, I was like, I've been living in poverty. Um, and everybody else around me was living in poverty and wasn't truly aware we were in poverty. We just knew we didn't have a lot. So it was it was so eye-opening to come to South Florida. It was special. I've been on FAU's campus, mm-hmm. and I can see the wealth in Boca Raton. Yeah. Um, big money donors. Crazy. To, at that school. What was it like walking around campus? Clearly, it was eye-opening, but mm-hmm. um, when did you uh, notice a shift in your thinking, and um, how did you go about uh, making that next step to kind of uh, bridge the divide between where you grew up mm-hmm. and where you were now? So the first thing I noticed is nobody was doing the things that we did in Titusville, um, and I realized the things that we were doing in Titusville were kind of ratchet, you can say. Um, walking into gas stations with no shirt on, kind of like just sagging, just the culture of how we did things that were just normal to us. It wasn't having it in Boca Raton. You stood out. And because of that, it made you also want to fit into what everybody else had. And so when I first saw a Maserati from a, a student pulling up, I was just like, how is this possible that someone can have all this wealth? Because a car like that, I've only seen it in the movies. So once I was exposed to that and said, this is possible, people can be really wealthy. This is not just a movie. I started joining different organizations and putting myself in positions I'd never been in. And that gave me responsibilities. And I think once I finally had responsibilities, that changed my life because it wasn't just about me anymore. So I couldn't just walk around and talk a certain way because it reflected others. I couldn't uh, have a temper with people because it reflected others. And that was a huge transition, being exposed to a new environment and then also having expectations put on me. That's awesome. I know um, just from my experience going to college and then going back home to the neighborhood I grew up in, your your mindset changes. Completely different. So when you go back home, how mm-hmm. do you have those you know conversations with people you grew up with? Mm-hmm. How do you? I'm, it's even difficult for me to ask that question because I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I do it. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes the, the people are still in like this 1990s mentality. It's how? <laughs> yeah. And we're in 2019. I'm like, wow, I can't believe they're still thinking this way. Mm-hmm. When you go back home, how do you try to uh, pour into the people that may not be on that same you know, thinking? And, and, you know, it's crazy that you point that out because 10 years have passed for people that I've seen back home and they're still in that same box, same same place, same mindset, as you said. But honestly, the stuff we teach in our Suits for Seniors program, we teach to everybody how to find your passion. 
What are you good at? What do you really love doing? How can you get paid for those things? So it's kind of trying to take your information and put it on their level so they can understand because you still come from that place, so you should still be able to relate to what they go through. And it's because of the lack of exposure. No one's talking about credit with these people or people where I'm from at least. No one really cares about it and the impact of it. But you teach, hey, if you have a certain level of credit, you can buy certain things and that can bring you some money. And at the end of the day, everybody care about making money. So it's always about how you can correlate a lesson to make them understand that you can save your time or money by doing something. And let's dig into your Suits for Seniors program now that you bring that up. Mm -hmm. I know in this program, your organization teaches college transition, career mm -hmm. preparedness, uh, professional leadership, and financial literacy, right. which is key. Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel is the biggest benefit from going through your program for seniors? Even when you go to college, you're, you probably still won't learn the things that you learn in Suits for Seniors. Um, I didn't take a course about credit anywhere in college. No one taught me that you need to get this 700, 800 credit score so you can buy a house and not put such a healthy down payment on it or buy a car and not put a, such a healthy down payment on it. No one taught me how to be an entrepreneur. No one taught me that when I go to a resume, I need to say these type of answers. This is what they're looking for. So when you're in Suits for Seniors, you're going to learn some stuff that you're going to never probably run into ever again for the rest of your life. You're going to plan some things out about your life that you might not ever have the time to do. So our program is just, it's been very unique um, in the way it's taught. And I think it's taught on a level that you are able to understand we're doing this stuff to make sure that you're wealthy. At the end of the day, that's all we're trying to get to is you being wealthy. The thing is, one of the most important classes for me is financial literacy. Um, Understanding what interest is, how to buy a car, how to buy a home. We're talking about tax risk now. We're talking about liquidity now. We're talking about stocks now and bonds. I didn't hear none of that stuff to my senior year in college. So it was super important that we continue to expand the stuff we're teaching, the grasp of personal development, knowing who you are um, and self. So it's just our program is just very unique, and I think it's different from any other program being taught, at least in the state of Florida. And speaking of your program, um, I know you are in so many high schools, mm -hmm. not just here in Palm Beach County where we live, right. but really up to Jacksonville from right. what I last checked. How many schools are you guys in right now? So we're in 19 schools total now. Wow. Um, and that's from Jacksonville to Miami Northwestern. And the, it's just going to continue to expand now that we have a system of how to do it, how to get the kids the suits, how to deliver the curriculum. So uh, Hopefully, it's going to be, uh, you know, nationwide soon. That's the goal within the next two, three years. And so when did Suits for Seniors start? And we're in 2019 now. Mm -hmm. How many students have graduated through your program? So we started, I would say, November 23rd, 2015. And we launched a GoFundMe. And the goal was just to get $10,000, suit up 100 kids. And you were a part of that, that first inaugural uh, suiting process. It was at Atlantic High School. I was fresh out of college. I was a senior in college, and I had no idea what I was doing to create a business and suit up kids. It was all just a dream. Like, hey, I love wearing suits. That's what makes me confident. I want to make sure other kids are confident. And that process has developed, grown. People have came into the organization. Mentors have been um, given to develop the process. And now we're at 700 graduates. 90% of those graduates are in college. We have, like, Maybe 10% of those kids are finishing colleges right now. Um, the remaining people are actually joined the workforce in the armed forces, started a trade, or entrepreneurs. None of our kids have fell through the cracks. 
uh, I don't know if it's just a blessing by God, but we keep track of our kids and they're all successful right now. I don't think it's just a blessing from God. I think it's just how intentional you guys are because, you know, so many times they have uh, programs and they push college, 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 mm -hmm. but college isn't for everyone. And that's not a bad thing, you know, I learning know. a trade because mm -hmm. we need um, people who fix cars. We mm -hmm. need uh, people who build homes who may not necessarily mm -hmm. be an engineer, but mm -hmm. they can do the actual labor. Mm -hmm. So um, I just love that you don't just push college on uh, students. It's debt. I mean, I don't want to push that $60,000 of debt you're going to have when you get out of college and you might get a $30,000 paying job. So, yeah, you got to have those options. And so your program, how how many weeks is it? Mm -hmm. It's an eight-week program. So, again, as you talked about, we do, we do go over leadership, the styles of leadership, what type of style of leadership fits you best and your qualities and how you can exude that in different situations. We talk about a financial literacy part as like credit, budget, interest, taxes, uh, and a lot of different things. Um, next is actually working with the police. So we bring the law enforcement in and judges in so our kids can have a perfect understanding what is law enforcement seeing so they can avoid and what is the criminal justice system doing that also can advocate for them if anything ever happens. And I think that's very important because the law enforcement also recruits the kids, which is special. So. We're not only mitigating the stereotypes we have between black males and law enforcement, we're recruiting these kids so now they're making the decisions now in these situations. Um, and then we go into career development, knowing you have a resume, knowing how to interview well. And then we also talk about mental health and domestic violence, which is truly important in our community. Mental health is so prevalent, but it's a and huge- And often overlooked. Often overlooked. And no one wants to say, uh, I have something wrong with me, or I need to go to the doctor. It's a stigma behind it. No one wants to feel crazy or there's something wrong. So we have to talk to them about the kids because there's the suicide rate is crazy right now in um, high school. Just all the social media alone is crazy. So domestic violence is another important thing. Um, our men are trained to be these aggressive, uh, you know, providers. And, you know, we always wasn't raised to deal with our emotions well. So we want to teach kids how to interpret their emotions and deal with women in the best form and respectful manner possible. And what I also love about your program, the continual growth, right? Mm -hmm. Not only are you graduating more and more students through your program, but now, uh, you know, looking back two years from when I helped you guys out and spoke at uh, two high schools, um, mm -hmm. not to toot my own horn or anything, it <laughs> was just I appreciate it, it was just young men. Mm -hmm. Now you have young ladies in the program. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you decide that it was not just important to suit up men and mm -hmm. teach them these skills, but also incorporate young ladies? I think I decided when I, I got over my fear that I couldn't do it. Uh, it's not something I always wanted to do, but I said, hey, who am I to teach these women this? Or who am I to give these women suit? That's not my role. Um, and I think that just conversations with guys said, you know, this can be bigger. Um, these women need it. It's the same curriculum. They're just getting a skirt suit or a pantsuit. And the thing is, I love working with the young ladies because they're super engaged. Um, they take initiative. When we start talking about entrepreneurship, they're creating businesses a couple months right after the program. So these young ladies are not playing. This girl power is real. So, yeah. I love that. And I remember just browsing through your Instagram feed, Suits for Seniors, or maybe it was your account. Mm -hmm. And I saw this highlight on Will Real of a graduation that mm -hmm. you recently did this past year of a student mm -hmm. um, of Latino descent. Right. And uh, I believe she started your program with like a one point something GPA. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the eight week program, she was at two point what? 2.5. 2.5. And able to go to college. That's a radical shift. And the thing is, she never told me she had a 1.0. I mean, she fills out information about her GPA requirement, but I didn't really examine that. She had a 1.0. Oh, 
And she just said, you know, the course she had at Super Seniors motivated her to talk to her guidance counselor, to work harder in school, and to really see if she can get into college. And then she also joined the police academy after talking to the chief of police when they came and spoke. So it's just believing in these kids, exposing them to opportunities, and not just being a tour guide and pointing and telling them where to go. It's magical to see what the youth is capable of. More of the Staying in the Course podcast after this. Richmond Looks Boutique. In need of a custom-made suit for business or after five? Getting married? They'll tailor your groom and groomsmen too. Head to richmondlooks.com today. Animate your words. An easy way for authors and speakers to show up and stand out on social media. If you're not getting their attention, someone else will. Go to philashley.com to schedule a chat. Before the show, before we even started recording, mm-hmm. we were talking about some of these kids just need someone to to believe in them, mm-hmm. uh, to show them their potential. Because, you know, let's be honest, some of them live in, live in single-parent households, right? Poverty. And then they're uh, competitors, mm-hmm. which, you know, it is reality of the mm-hmm. world we in, live in in the global economy. Mm-hmm. They have two-parent mm-hmm. um, households. So they have people that can take a look and say, well, he's really good at music mm-hmm. or he's really good at this. But these students, um, their parents are just working to put food on the That's table it. so they don't have necessarily the time to help them with homework and mm-hmm. to help them develop a skill or a passion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what your program is doing. And it's a, it's a blessing that we are able to fill in that gap um, because right now parents are worried about feeding and, and putting food on the table and can they even have gas money to go into their job. So. I think it's special that we are able to fill in those gaps and just to see what these kids can do. And if we put more resources into these kids, like what they could achieve. If they had uh, 3D printing at their school, if they can build robots at their school, if these kids would do it. They say they want to do it, but no one's like teaching them how to do it and no one's exposing them how to do it. So it really just starts with community leaders filling in those gaps because that's what helped me. Um, it was the Parks and Rec uh, coach that said, hey, you know, you look like a leader. You can do something with your talent. And it's people like that that we have to get back engaged to really fill in those gaps for our kids again. Now, recently, mm-hmm. uh, I know in addition to Suits for Seniors, you opened up a community center. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was not going to let that yeah. fly without talking about that in the podcast. Um, you opened up this community center, and is it just a bridge from Suits for Seniors, mm-hmm. or is this a, a second venture that you're, you, has taken off? It's it, And it's tough because I have really – I still haven't identified exactly what it is for the organization. To me, it was filling in a gap. And I guess I always want to change the world in so many different ways. And there's Dress for Success. Most people are familiar with that program. They suit up women, make sure they get a job, and they go about their day. But there was nothing for men at all. Like, men couldn't come in and have a workshop about how to interview properly, how to have their resume done, and then have a suit at that. So I noticed that our community is always missing certain gaps, and I just wanted to be that void for that gap. So we built a huge resource center. We have about 200 suits in there, ties, dress shirts, shoes, about 20 computers. And you come in there, you got to get your resume done. You got to fill out a job application. And then we make sure you got everything, about up to three suits, uh, fully dressed. Three suits. Up to three suits. And you go about your day. Um, But... We just filled in a gap at that point. We are seeking funding. People have funded us um, for this initiative. But Suits for Seniors within the high school program is our bread and butter. But we just can't continue to talk about our issues and not let and not do anything about it. I love it. Love the work that you're doing in addition to Suits for Seniors. But hey, man, I want to know a little bit more about you. Um, 
you're, you know, you have multiple titles, like a laundry list of titles oh, and, and things that you do. Um, how do you manage all of them? Uh, prioritizing. Um, I, I always try to, I have to separate those titles. I know it sounds weird, but you got to put boxes that say, hey, you're the CEO for this uh, nonprofit. You are a board member to the South Florida Fair. You sit on legacies 40 under 40. So you have to separate everything and say, this is your to-do list. These are your goals for the year, and this is what you got to accomplish. And one thing I always try to do every day, I try to accomplish three big goals for each different title or organization that I'm representing. And all that is just a compound effect, and everything starts to build up, and it just seems like it's a lot of success going on at once, but it's just really over the years and years of doing those to-dos each and every day. And so I know you graduated from FAU. You studied Go political Owls. science. Go mm-hmm. Owls, huh? <laughs> I wonder how that football season is going to play out this oh, year. But we'll, we'll, that'll be another podcast on that one. Um, so, you know, you graduated in political science, mm-hmm. right? Um, just talk about, like, you know, your heels and valleys of your career and how you just kind of developed and mm-hmm. figured out what your passion was. I wish I could have did college over. Um, college was amazing. Political science taught me nothing. I worked in the state government. I worked in the county government. And that degree taught me absolutely nothing. It was being in organizations such as Progressive Black Men Incorporated where I had to run and be the president. And people are relying on you to make good decisions for the entire organization. It was being engaged and finding mentors like the state senator Bobby Powell. That stuff was more effective into my career, um, the peaks and valleys, than anything else. I couldn't, I, I wouldn't say I would be here without joining organizations and putting leadership titles and the responsibilities on me. I could say I would be here without college. Right. I feel like if I would just went to leadership training and mentors, we would have got to the same place without the debt. So the experiences were it was really wild. I mean, I remember being homeless at times because I just didn't know where I was going with my life or just the struggle of trying to figure out how can you be successful in Boca Raton with such high expenses and expectations. Right. So those peaks and valleys were horrible. But honestly, the biggest thing was just those conversations with God. You know, being in silence and in peace and saying, yo, this is, I'm not making a lot of money or this doesn't make me happy. God, what should I do? What is my solution? What is my path? And I think those were the things that um, that moved my career more than anything else. Those mentors, uh, those resources of leadership and conversations with God. What challenges come with wearing so many hats and how do you overcome those challenges? Expectations. Um, people start believing you can do a lot more than you can, right? And people also believe you have a lot more money than you really do have. So there's a lot of expectations and a lot of requests and a lot of things that people want you to do that you start spreading yourself so thin, you lose track of your original vision and you you lose the chance to become great in something because you always want to be here or be there or be a part of something and fill in those gaps, quote unquote that you just lose the focus on me having something so good that could become great. So that that's the issue at, at times. In today's society, mm-hmm. many of us are focused on what's next, mm-hmm. right? We could have something really good mm-hmm. happening with us in the present time, mm-hmm. and then we're still looking for what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't necessarily like that, I know it's important to have growth. What's next for you? I would say... Um, formalizing the system for Seuss for Seniors. I really want the program to be in almost every single state. 
I mean, we were in high schools, we were in foster care, we were going into the Department of Juvenile Justice. So what's next is just making sure the program is so perfect that I can one day step away from it, right? You're not supposed to be in a corporation for 100, 100 but 50 years, 30 years. You want to build a corporation where you can also leverage that, that you don't have to be there every day. So that's the next big goal is really um, automating everything that it can be done anywhere. Incredible. And so now that you've like built this, you know, organization mm-hmm. and you're looking towards, you know, at a, such a young age, already like stepping away from it, having someone oversee it, making sure that it grows. Mm-hmm. Once that's taken care of, mm-hmm. what do you have planned, man? Honestly, I want to get into the political arena. To be to be 100 percent honest, you know, my dream is to be the governor of Florida, hopefully within the next 10 years. But I think once we have some. Once I have an organization I know that's handling education, which I see an uh, issue in our country, uh, I, I'll be satisfied with moving on to the next phase in life. But education is so important to me. I don't want kids going to college with debt. I hate kids growing up without any hope or dreams or belief in themselves. So once I can feel comfortable at night that I'm helping the world see a vision and future for themselves, I think we can move into creating policies to change systemic issues that we have in our country. Wow. Hey, so, you know, my you know podcast is called the Stand the Course Podcast. Mm-hmm. And so what keeps you staying the course, one, and two, for someone who's going to be listening to this episode, mm-hmm. and maybe they want to start a nonprofit, maybe they want to make an impact in their community, mm-hmm. how do they get started? You got to believe in your dream first. Um, I believe the first thing to start in anything, whether you're going to be in sports, entertainment, whether you're going to be an engineer or a doctor, start a business, you have to just believe it first. Um, if you don't believe in yourself, I don't believe people are going to come into your life and push you. I don't, th- don't think that happens. But once you have that seed planted in yourself that you decide that I'm going to do this and I'm going to stay the course no matter what, if I lose all my money, I'm still going to do it. If I get hurt doing it, I'm still going to do it. If I lose all my friends, I'm still going to do it. If my girlfriend leaves me, I'm still going to do it. If my parents stop believing in my dreams, I'm still going to do it. So once you have this this dedicated faith and belief in yourself, I believe that will give you the passion to create a vision. And what keeps me staying my course is that I believe in myself so much that I create a vision I think is 20 years beyond me, 30 years beyond me that I got to work for the next 40 years to really achieve this goal of changing the world. So the vision is so big that it always wakes me up in the morning and say, you got to do this or you're not going to make it to that 40-year mark. You got to do this or you're not going to buy your mom a house. That's not how it's going to work. You got to do this or you can't buy your niece that who wants to go to college. Um, the scholarships or the grants or anything else that she needs to be successful. So it's really having that belief in yourself and having a vision so big that it takes you 40, 50 years to accomplish. Wow. Looking ahead into 2020, mm-hmm. right? Have you already planned what you're going to be doing for that next year? Yeah. Do you have like a vision board? Like how do you keep all these thoughts and dreams and aspirations organized? Everything is written down. Um, there's a statement that someone told me, if it's not written down, it's not going to come true. And I, I'm, most things I've written down has come true. So I have, if, you go to, if you've ever been in my house, there's like, boards everywhere around the wall, um, just whiteboards. Okay, this is what I'm going to do in 2020. So I'm going to do in 2021. Um, the goals and how to get to those goals. So it's just not blanket statements, but it's measurable goals. Okay, 
One of my biggest goals is reading, honestly. Um, each year it has to increase. This year I got to read 20 books, next year 30 books. And that's just the same thing on my bank account. This year I'm going to make 200000 Next year I want to make half a million. So those goals always keep me um, focused and staying the course, I would say. What book are you reading right now? This is a book called From Good to Great. Uh, it's a really good book that teaches you about discipline. And they say that to be great at anything, to be the next Apple, to be the next Nike, to be the next Amazon, you got to be disciplined in what you're really, really good at. So you won't see Amazon doing things outside of their lane. They expand on what they're trying to do. but They never, ever go outside their lane. And that's what greats do. They find their lane and they stay in it and they stick to it and it just it develops and they become legends in it. Mentors, how important is that? Every successful person has to have a good five to 10 mentors. I think mentors is probably like one of the most important things. Um, to me, it's a shortcut to life. Um, with, by having a mentor, you can cut 10 years in half because they can teach you something that it will take you 10, 15 years to learn. I have a mentor in almost every aspect of my life, whether it's spiritual, whether it's for nonprofit, whether it's my health, uh, whether it's um, just about economics and stocks, there's a different mentor for each different category because you have to learn stuff from people who are well-grounded in their craft. Um, and you want to also be critical of who you take information from. So I have mentors in every aspect. And again, it's a shortcut to life, that in a book. What does a day in a life look like for Gervonta Edmonds? Mm. What time do you get up in the morning? Mm. How do you start your day? Every day I'm trying to wake up at least 30 minutes earlier because uh, I like to sleep in, to be honest. And most successful people get up at 4 or 5 in the morning, and I'm aware of that. So for me, I get up around 6.37. And for that first 30 minutes to an hour, I try not to talk to anybody. I don't touch my phone. I just meditate like, okay, what are the three big goals are you going to achieve today? What do you have to get done today? And so I plan out the day. And then, of course, I get up, um, I take a walk around my neighborhood just to get my legs going, my thoughts going. And again, I still haven't touched my phone. Um, I had to learn that my phone was like one of the biggest distractions I ever had. Um, so after that workout, we're off to the office. We're planning, calling people, uh, following up with students. Then we always have a meeting to attend uh, about a partnership that we're trying to align with Suits for Seniors. And then it's just, it's just more building of the vision. What piece can I add to Suits for Senior? What needs to get done to perfect this system? We have to have our system perfected by 2019. Wow. So in this part of the podcast, we call it a rapid fire mm -hmm. round where we ask rapid fire Ooh. questions, right? And then uh, I actually ask you one of the rapid fire questions. So on the Ooh. fly where you were talking, I was trying to think of one to replace it. So it's five questions. Okay. You know, you just give me your uh, best answer. I'm excited. It comes straight to mind. What is your go-to workout song slash album? Ooh, so it's not a, a song or album, but there's this, if you type in YouTube motivation videos for workout, they'll give you all these like actual speakers like Jim Rohn, and they just put like workout music behind it. So it's like motivational talk and energetic music all at once. That's the, the go-to. I know you love sports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being that we just wrapped up the NBA, you know, free right. agency market thing. You know, what NBA team do you think has the best shot at winning an NBA title next season? You know, the craziest thing, I don't even watch sports anymore. Um, I love sports because I played it, but I don't even have the time to just sit there and analyze who's on teams. I just know the big names, right? Mm. And I'm just going to follow LeBron James no matter what. Wherever team he's at is because I like him as a character 
and his talent. So I'm going for L.A. And he's a businessman now. He's a businessman. Number three, what is your favorite color suit and pattern? Mm, that's a good one. Good one. I love navy suits because you can wear it anywhere for fun or for a professional setting. And I love uh, pinstripes. I think pinstripes are kind of old school, but it's like, look, you got money because you got pinstripes. <laughs> old school pimp. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, what time do you get up in the morning? You kind of already said that. Mm -hmm. Around six, seven, to make sure I'm up early. Number five, I know you're heavily engaged in politics. Who do you think is the front runner in the Democratic presidential nomination race? I got four people I like. Um, I like Joe Biden because he has experience. I like uh, Kamala Harris because her experience with being a prosecutor and her character, and she's also a strong black woman, um, first and foremost. Um, I like Peter, I think his name's Mayor Peter Buttigieg. Um, he's good because I like the way he responded to the crisis that happened in his city about a black man being shot. Now he was open and honest. He said, we could have did more. Um, it was my fault. And we're putting in practices to fix it. Accountability. Accountability. And that's huge. No one ever says it's my fault. It's always somebody got to point a finger at somebody else. And the last person I like is Elizabeth Warren because she has a plan. If you hear this lady, she says, okay, we're going to tax the top 1%, one-tenth of that 1%. So, like, you got to make, like, $75 million or more. We're going to give you two cents on every dollar that you have, and we're going to give it back to everybody else. Huge. It's a great plan. It's, like, actually something of substance while everybody else is just saying this is what we want to do. So I love those four people. Javante, how can people follow you and the work you're doing with Suits for Seniors? Please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all at Suits for Senior, S-U-I-T-S-F-O-R, Seniors. Um, check out our website, SuitsForSeniors.com. Please follow me on Instagram at Tay, T-A-E underscore Edmonds, E-D-M-O-N-D-S. And get engaged by being a mentor. Uh, we have 200 kids a year, and those kids want mentors. Uh, we are trying to get them jobs, so we're looking for internships opportunities. And just also donate to our cause because every dollar you give goes toward trying to help these kids get further in life. Man, I appreciate you being on the show. And uh, once before, I was a speaker for Suits for Seniors. Thank if you, you ever need me for anything, I'm here. Oh, yeah. So uh, use me, man. I got plans. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, brother. I'm Jimmy Johnson, and you've been listening to the Staying the Course podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple, Google, and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review the show today. And remember, you're called to stay the course.